Hey, I'm Shay. And I'm Michelle. There's a battle being waged. It's not flesh, it's not blood, it's spiritual. And we need to be prepared. The last thing a warrior wants on the battlefield is spiritual anemia. So when the enemy attacks, we need to be prepared. But we don't always realize where the attacks are coming from or that we're being attacked at all. This is the Pantry Podcast, and we're here to remind you of who we answer to, what we're capable of, and how we are called to do it in every aspect of our lives. This is season six, Rewired. When you're saved, you're saved for good. But we all experience sanctification differently. The more we grow in our relationship with the Lord, the more he transforms and renews our minds. The more we cut the cords of this world, the more we're charged up in him. This season, we're arming you with discernment of some of culture's most toxic snares. Support our ministry reaching the lost and found in over 35 countries with spiritual and literal nutrition. Every one-time and recurring donation makes a lasting impact. Donate through Patreon or thepantrypodcast.com. And now let's dig into the meal. <sighs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey. Hi. I'm excited. Oh, That's my go-to. Woo, big, big surprise. surprise. Big surprise. <laughs> no, t- tonight, today... Maybe it's morning for you, wherever you are in the world where you're listening to this, it's going to be a good episode. Um, We have a really good friend that decided to come on and and share with us because, you know, when we think about Jesus, right. And we think about this commissioning and we think about like going out into all of the world and preaching the good news to everyone. That's everyone that, that leaves nobody out. Right. That is like absolute. That is like, there is no one that doesn't need to hear how good Jesus is because he is that good. He, yeah. Man, he restores us when we believe. He takes us from the old man, puts us into the new man. Man, watch this. Old, old wineskin to new wineskin, new wine <laughs> and the new wineskin. And look, then then what are we? What are we then? Preserved. Man, it, I want to be preserved. I'm preserved. I have Jesus Christ. And we want people to understand this. But what's, here's what's really important in this. And I read Luke 9, 9 3 a little different this time. It was kind of cool. Take nothing for your journey, Jesus instructs, right? Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. You know, when we go out into the world, we need to leave ourselves behind mm-hmm. and we really, really, really need to tap into the Holy spirit and let the Holy spirit guide us in our conversation. So today, man, I'm gonna let Michelle take it from here and just introduce this awesome guest. Yeah. So today we have Josh Proctor, who is one of the hosts of the life on side B podcast, a show that explores the joy, beauty, and challenges of living in the traditional sexual ethic as Christians who also identify as LGBT plus or same-sex attracted. Josh also served as the former director of strategic projects and foundations on the staff of La Alianza Colombia Church and the former director at We Are Life, a foundation dedicated to improving the lives of Colombian communities. He now serves as director of social media and Spanish translation at Posture Shift, a religious organization that offers scripturally based guidance on reaching and loving LGBT individuals. So we are so happy to see you again, Josh. Welcome. Yeah, what's up, buddy? Hey, this is so good to be here with y'all. I'm so glad. I'm <laughs> I'm excited for the conversation we're going to have. <laughs> I know. Excited is such a good word. Like, I just, I think like, I don't she know. She used to harass me. I used to be like, you have to come up with another word. And then I was like, it's kind of your tagline. Exactly. And it's, there's no better word, you know? <laughs> yes. And, and then people actually start saying like, dude, I, I get so excited when Shay says he's excited. Like, so they, it's it like, passes yeah. on. So we're like, yeah, cool. it passes on. Uh-huh. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So let's start the conversation. Let's do it. You don't need to have your whole testimony laid out in front, but just like, where's your heart on this idea? This episode is called Turning to Samaria. Yeah. So where's your heart in this issue of reaching people that a lot of people would say, yeah, that's that's not my calling or that's not my anointing. You know, like what what's your heart in this? What's your what's your story? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like 
Um, I mean, obviously I'm going to get into a specific part of it um, because when it comes to my own personal story, God has walked with me through a lot of different stuff um, and through many things, some of that might come up. But um, after I had a time of coming to God and um, giving over my sexuality to him, what I mean by that is like for a while I had tried to become straight. (laughs) I thought like I need to change my attractions and it just didn't work. And then I thought, well, I'm just going to go find a boyfriend. I'm going to have a husband. And um, ultimately through walking with God, felt the call that that was not what what I was supposed to do. And so I left my relationship and I just came to a place of going, I'm just like not going to have sex. Like, that's it. We're just going to do that. I'm just going to go forward in life and do ministry. And I just stopped being involved in the LGBT conversation at all. And I was like, I don't know what to do with this. So I'm just like going to be celibate and go right. on. And then um, what happened was um, the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando happened. And back in um, my clubbing days, I used to go there um, before um, uh, before coming to Christ. And I knew people that were there um, in it. And for anyone who doesn't know, uh, a few years ago, I think it's now three years ago, um, a shooter went into the Pulse gay nightclub in Orlando and shot and killed 40, don't know, but in about 49 people or so and wounded many others. Um, and seeing this and seeing a place that I knew personally and, um, people dying and, and knowing people that I known died, I just, it was the first moment I felt God saying what, um, your family needs you. And I'm like, I was living in Columbia, South America at the time. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Like I'm a kid (laughs) here. I don't know what to do from here. And then later on, I was doing, um, my master's in uh, my master's of divinity in, um, New York. And so I was there for a class because it was an online degree, but we had a class, an intensive class for a week. So I was in New York and I was just walking around and I went into the Chelsea area and like Hell's Kitchen was predominantly gay. And then I noticed that there were no overt churches. I went into my class and my, uh, which was a missions class. And my professor could see that I was a little bit annoyed. And I explained to like, well, I went around Manhattan. You see obvious churches everywhere else, but right. then you go into the gay area and you don't see anyone. And the professor was like, well, you know, the gay community just doesn't want the gospel. And I was like, so you don't go? Like, <laughs> who says that? Like, what are, right, are we going right. to say? Oh, we're not going to go to the Middle East because Muslims don't want the gospel. No, you go because the gospel is for everyone. And that really got me onto this understanding of reading the Great Commission. And I had always heard the Great Commission from this idea of like, it was geographically based. Like Jerusalem is your city, Judea is your state, Samaria is your country, and like the rest of the world, the world. And mm-hmm. for me, I was like, I don't think so, because if you look at like Roman geography, Samaria was not the territory where Judea was connected. They were next to each other. So it'd be more like be like for me in Florida, it'd be like be my witness in West Palm, Florida, Georgia and the rest of the world or something like that. And I was like, okay, so what is this? And I really began to feel as I studied it more that the reason why Jesus mentioned Samaria is it's the people group that he knew his disciples wouldn't want to go to. And he was trying to explain to them, you are my people, you are my witnesses at home, but also to the people that you don't like, and you would rather God not save, or like in the Jonah story, Nineveh, like who yeah. is that people group that you just really would not want to do? And so that just got me onto this passion, uh, specifically in my context, the LGBTQ community, but um, really for anyone, like who is that people group that we just don't right. want to know God? And then how can we go and reach them? Right. You know, as you're saying this, it's amazing that like God uses the body of Christ. Yeah. So, you know, we, I'm not, I'm not an ear. Maybe I'm a nose. Yeah. And you know, you're an ear and you know, there's different people that we can talk to, but I mean, we say that a lot, mm-hmm. but then, then sometimes we get too focused on the group that we feel the most comfortable with. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we go out there and we're like, okay, well, you know, I'm, man, do with tattoos. Psh, 
I got him, man. Look, yeah, he can't throw nothing at me. I'm good. Or, or that dude on the corner <laughs> selling drugs. Oh, man, I was there. I got that, man. I'm cool with that. I'm done with that. But what's really hard sometimes is, is to cross that line yeah. into the uncomfortable area. And mm-hmm. I think that sometimes that's what we see. We see that people are, are, are afraid to cross the line into the uncomfortable area. I think that sometimes the church, and I'm not going to say all churches, you know, I, I'm not a hundred percent on anything. Mm-hmm. I think right. that there's a lot of good people out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of good narrative out there. And I think a lot of it is, and why we have a podcast like this, why yeah. we invite our friend Josh to talk is because we want people to feel a little bit more comfortable crossing over those lines. You know, I, I remember a trip to, to Panama, mm-hmm. like we were going to Panama and yeah. you know, anytime you come to even a border, okay. And, and you're not, you know, you're not, you're not Costa Rican, you're not Panamanian, you know, and you're like, Ooh, I'm going to a border. Cause all my years of military crossing borders. I mean, it's, it's a scary place sometimes, Yeah, yeah. but you know, but in the military, we still cross the borders in our mission mm-hmm. trip. We still cross the borders and we need to be able to cross these borders and, and go out and meet people where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of a story. Well, it wasn't a story. It was actually a question that I asked a student that was visiting with me back when I worked at a university and she would, she would visit cause she knew I was a believer. And yeah. so she would ask me questions. Um, she was, a, she is a believer herself and she's also black. And we were talking about the gospel and the power of grace and the great commission. And I said, there's some times where God's going to call us to put down what we have a right to and pick up the thing that almost turns our stomach. And she's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, well, it would be like someone burning a cross in your yard and you know who did it. And would you come with the gospel to them? She admitted that would be incredibly hard and that that really challenged her. And sometimes you'll see that in the Christian community, the group that has been so demonized by the media against you because we're pit against each other in the media. You know, I mean, there's, there's what happens in your own life, but then there's also what you're told happens outside of your life to the group you identify with. So you have two groups that have been pitted against each other on a narrative level and a a real level. And so let's say you have no experience, but you're already expecting the worst. You're already Mm -hmm. scared. You feel like I have no place to stand here. I have no idea what to say, like what you heard, you know, they don't want the gospel Yeah. and yet they're human. And Mm -hmm. the, and we, and we've been made that a part of us will always crave the gospel, even if we deny it ourselves. Yeah. I, I really think like, um, so my denominational background, not like growing up, but that I've been connected with the La, La Alianza is the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And the one thing I love about our church um, is that missionaries in our names, like, and so the, the very like DNA is that we are all missionaries. Like that's the role of yeah. every single one of us. And I think sometimes that we, what we can sometimes do is we have a very easy time talking about international missionaries, knowing that they're going into insane situations (laughs) where like people are not living out gospel lives. Like they're not living out like, you know, Christian community and stuff, but people, the missionary goes there and they go among the people and they are just God's witness, loving people, bringing not just the message of salvation, but just that radical love, like what you're talking about, like going to the people that have shown us the most violence and the most hatred and showing them love instead. Mm. And like, we have an easy time understanding that that's the situation Mm. uh, that missionaries overseas go to. But then we forget that we're missionaries too. And God calls us to do the exact same thing. And then we go, I could never go into that situation with those people. And it'd be like, well, that's because, but that is what God calls us to. He calls us to eat with the tax collectors and sinners and to show them God's love, like, because we have also been there. And so um, I think it's just that, that radical community, that radical life that Jesus lived, that we always have to remind ourselves that we're missionaries too. And God has called us to that. And, and I think then a lot of that comes with 
yeah, that, that radical grace and that radical love that we can, that we sometimes have to show even to a people group, even to a person that was, has shown our community or us like so much pain as well. Right. It's like Nineveh was wicked y'all, yes. Nineveh, but it took that one not so willing participant <laughs> to take a message of, see that's, but that shows the strength of God's message. Yeah. That shows the strength of the Holy Spirit when the, like I was talking about, you know, at the beginning, it's, you know, we need to leave ourselves behind yeah, and really walk in the spirit, yeah. talk in the spirit, let the spirit be our voice because it's him who's going to get through, through the layers. And, and you know, I look, I'm a social media dude, TikTok. Hello. I think I shot that out a couple <laughs> times, but like, but like I want. I go into some of these conversations just to watch. I don't, I don't participate. It's not my, mm-hmm. it's not what I do, but what I do is research. I like to see where does it fall apart? Where does it break down? Sometimes, you know, uh, you know, somebody, uh, a Christian goes out there and just blasts, which come on guys, come on. And then sometimes a Christian goes out there and, and, and like loves, like, you know, mm-hmm. tries to put the love down. And it's amazing how quick they fall apart. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like they put the love down, they get beat up a couple times. They're like, but and it's like, and it changes. <laughs> and then there's the ones that just post. And then there's the ones that love us that like, like me, I go in, I see something. Right. And I think here's, here's a good position. Watch missionary work is not always speaking. Mm-hmm. Sometimes missionary work is on your knees praying. Yes. And so I, I sit in there sometimes and I just pray for these people. Look, they don't even know I'm praying. In fact, there's, I think I heard someone the other day that it's offensive if I pray for you and you don't, you don't give me permission. I, somebody yeah. wrote that the other day and I'm just like, okay, whatever. I'm still <laughs> going to pray, but I go in and I pray over these people mm-hmm. because that's what I can do right now. You yeah. know, when I go outside, I mean, we definitely live in an area, right? That, that has no need or feels like all their needs are, are satisfied. And so we definitely understand the rejection. We definitely understand. And so we've had to adjust the way that we approach people. And maybe that's what we need to do. You know, he, he says, go out and love your neighbor, love your, your enemy, you know, love people. And, and when I say that, I'm not talking like any other love than agape love, love that speaks truth, you know, that yeah. brings truth, you know, let them see who you are. And, and I think you do that. And now I, there was something that I remember talking to you about, um, mm-hmm. because I think this is good for, for, for churches to, under, to, to know is that didn't you say that you do go to churches and help them and, and teach them and, and help them understand you know, the LGBT a little bit, how to reach Mm -hmm. them. So what is part of that? Mm -hmm. What is part of that when you do that? Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's related with Posture Shift, the the organization that I work with. And what we do is we go in and train churches on how to approach um, LGBT inclusion and care from a missiological model. And so the way we talk about it is many times people think that in order to love people, you have to change your theology. Like in order to love LGBT people, we have to change our theology. But what we say is you do not have to to shift your theological position, but you do have to shift your attitude and your posture. The way that you love people and care for people, that does not have to include changing your theology on marriage or sexuality. Like we we hold to a, a biblical view that like marriage is between a man and a woman. And that doesn't have to change in order to include and care for LGBT people. But like missionaries, when a missionary goes to a people group, like if we think of the LGBTQ community as a people group, um, when a missionary goes to a people group, they learn the history, language, and culture of that community by going. Because you can't you can't reach a people if you don't speak their language, if you don't know the context in they live, like if you don't know the culture, you're gonna do something wrong that offends them and it's just gonna close every door. And so what we do is we help churches understand like what is the, the history of the LGBTQ community, especially related to the church and like the pain that has been in between these two communities. Um, what is it like to grow up LGBT, which is normally what we talk about with culture and then language. Um, because even though many times we speak the same language, English, whatever language, um, 
there are ways that many times we'll speak past each other in this conversation when the two communities mean two very different things by the very same terms. And many times, again, if we're going to be the missionaries, if we're going to go to a people group and want to share the gospel, we can't just put our foot down and say, no, you have to understand my terms and the way that I understand them. No, we have to work within the context that people are at speaking the way that is going to explain and understanding what terminology means for them. Um, Because if I go to you and I say a term, but I'm trying to be gracious and, and, and bring that about, but I don't understand the context of what that term means for you and your situation, that's going to close the door. Um, and so again, it's, it's that understanding that radical shift of posture while also maintaining our theological position and how these two things need to stay I like like, that. together. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. Yeah. I, I love that. That's it. That is a rewiring when you were talking about missions and love and calibrating the language, which is mm-hmm. like a term that I've used, you know, about missions work, because, you know, when you leave your house, sometimes even in your own house, it's a mission mm-hmm. field. Yeah. But this idea that we use terms that pass over whatever people group it is, we tend to forget that the world that we tend to shut down ourselves, yeah. right? We know that like the world has a lot of views that are harmful to us if we mm-hmm. accept them as truth. Yeah. But we forget that the quickest way to disarm someone is to love and listen. And the fastest way to shoot up their armor is to come hard yeah. and require change up front. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and we end up doing things that are contrary to the gospel that we ourselves mm-hmm. so desperately needed and accepted at some point. Yeah. And when once we're locked and loaded into eternal security, we then say, but this specific sin must completely go away mm-hmm. before I'm comfortable engaging. Yeah. And so it's important to have someone who can help people rewire the view because the view that a lot of believers have is not actually in line with what Mm -hmm. Christ is actually saying when he says to go out and to love. He's not saying you have to accept everything. You don't have to say it's okay, Mm -hmm. but instead you have to pivot. Yeah. You know, you have to, you have to focus on what is being said and listen and then allow yourself to be comfortable and confident enough that the Holy Spirit is the one actually doing the saving, that you're bringing the good news. The rest of the work is on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And you uh, don't have to demand any change mm-hmm. in that person whatsoever. That's God's job. Yes. And we have to remember someone's eternal security and salvation is more important mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. anything they do else in this life. Yeah. That's not Absolutely. our business as much as I want mm-hmm. you in heaven with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No matter what. That's so good. There's so many good things that you shared there. Like I, and I have like so many thoughts. First of all, I love where you said sometimes the house is the mission field because many times like I work with parents a lot and that's many times what happens is like everyone like in our culture normally now has someone that's LGBT in their lives, whether it's a child, whether it's a sibling, whether it's a friend, like, and that becomes like an opportunity for us to minister to people. And so like, it, it can be in your house, it can be with your own, it can be with your own child. And, and I think like something that happens a lot in our society, and this is general society, we've come to a place on all sides where we believe that there cannot be love without complete agreement on beliefs. <laughs> like I can't love you and you can't love me unless you absolutely agree with me on all of these different things. And that's not like how Jesus lived. Jesus, right. I, like we think that he, he, he ate with tax collectors and sinners people that I'm sure had very, very radical different beliefs than him. Like he had zealots in his disciples. He had tax collectors in his disciples, people that had different views and yet he loved them. 
And he went to people all over the place. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the bigger things that we also tried and show with, um, with pastors and with parents is like, you can love your child. You can love your friend. And um, the last thing that I would say there is that I really love that you were talking about is like, ultimately we are not the voice of God in people's lives. We can't just say all of like, list out everything that's wrong in their life and think to go, wow, you know what? You just radically changed my mind. I'm going to change everything <laughs> I'm doing in this moment. But like a conversation that many times happens is if I encounter an LGBT person who the only thing they've heard of from the, about the Bible in out of a Christian's mouth is that homosexuality is a sin or you're going to hell. Right. And so then they get the mindset, the Bible's not a safe place for me. And I go, well, let me, give me an opportunity to show you that the Bible can be a safe place for you. And let's go to the Psalms. You're going through something in your relationships. Here, here is a place that can be safe for you. Because ultimately, if I can help people hear the voice of God in their lives and get the other clutter out of their minds, God's going to speak to them. God is going to be the one that's going to move them to grow closer to him, grow more like him and go forward in that. But I can't be the voice of God. And ultimately, if I'm going to call out someone else's sin, then I have to be ready to first call out the sin in my own life. And like, I think that that's like where we have to have the equal of the playing field. Like if we're going to hold LGBT people to such a high standard, then we need to look at how we're holding straight people to such a high standard right. in sexuality as well. Because we, we come to a place where we're okay. Like in churches, we'll, we'll be like, well, this is fine. But here, this is where we're drawing the line. And like, right. not in a sense of then saying, we're going to compromise on this area, but saying, if we're going to call out one thing, we have to be ready to equalize the playing field. And are we going to talk about divorce? Are we going to talk about pornography in our right. churches? Um, this issues of sexual assault in our churches, like these kind of things. Um, and being ready to show that like, and, and as I said, equal, like leveling the playing field in, right. in that way. Well, I think, I think that plugs in where we had Dr. Christopher Yuan mm -hmm. and he has a book, <laughs> Holy Sexuality, you know, yeah. and, and it speaks to this. It speaks yeah. to this idea of, of like, okay, in our sexuality, which is now a general base, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. now, now it's like, it covered that, that just covered the whole playing field. Right. And, and where mm -hmm. my heart is, where is my heart? Is it with God? Is it with the world? Mm -hmm. And and so, I, man, what I'm hearing is, is beautiful because I think even the apostle Paul, you know, we talk about Jesus. We also talk about the apostle Paul, first Corinthians nine, where he says, you know, I am, I am going to put myself aside and be a slave to man, you know, yeah. first to the Jews, right. I'm going to become a Jew to be a Jew, right. <laughs> Let's just yeah. say it right. Let's do it right. To the Jews, I became a Jew that I might win Jews to those mm -hmm. who are under law as under law that I might win those who are under law to those who are without law as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law towards Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak, I became weak, and that I might win the weak. I become all things, all men, that I might by all means save some. some. He is saying right there exactly what you were saying. We don't debunk, change, bring culture into, or, or adjust our theology. Mm -hmm. But we go to people yeah. with a heart to show them, God, I liked mm -hmm. what you were saying. You know, they might not even understand. So some might be like, well, you know, they don't even know God. How do they understand the Psalms? <laughs> because if they start going to the Psalms, mm -hmm. that is like walking up to God. Right. That is like literally, like when, as you're saying this, I like, you know, yes. I, I really like what you're saying. Yeah. I was like, I was like, yeah, this, this is good. This yes. is good. Because they're walking up, not to me, not to Josh, not mm -hmm. to Michelle. They're walking up to God. So could you imagine you give them this book, you say, look, read some Psalms or their phone. You know, I'm an old school guy. So we have phone, these guys, technology, I got y'all. Uh -huh. But, but, uh, but uh, they're opening their phone when, in, in a time of need and going to a Psalm. What an opportunity for the Holy spirit yeah. to work. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because we, we think that how could it ever speak to them? Well, how could Jesus have ever spoke to the woman at the well? She didn't have the Holy spirit in her, but mm -hmm. she heard the word of God from the word of God mm -hmm. and it hit her. 
And in that moment, she knew that that was truth she was speaking to. Yeah. And she ran to tell others because it transformed her life in that moment. And did it take away everything she'd ever done and make her incapable of ever doing something against God's will ever again? No, but it transformed her and helped her come alive Mm -hmm. into the reality of what reality is. Mm. And so we don't need to put so much weight. I think we put too much weight on ourselves when we consider ourselves missionaries. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm being gracious because I I haven't I've let that go because that's the only way I can go out there is if yeah. I take off the weight for myself. But as the church, so many people will tap out before they even try because they're not a people person. They don't know what to say. They don't know enough of the word of God. They they don't know how to reach the group of people that they would be reaching in that area of town that everyone's going to today. Um, whatever, whatever, whatever it is. And we don't realize in that language, some people might think that's humble language, but it's not humble if it's a lie. It's just a lie. Mm-hmm. Right. Humble means no more or less of what you are, just exactly what you are. That's, that's humility in God's eyes. And so they're taking on the responsibilities of the Holy spirit onto themselves mm-hmm. and psyching themselves out or allowing the enemy to put themselves in God's shoes and psyching themselves out. When in reality, we just trust in the Lord and trust, mm-hmm. trust him to move in ways that surprise even us. Because yeah. when we go to the people that look like us or that we're familiar with, we know their lingo already. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he'll use us there for sure. But that doesn't, you, there, there's a trap there of, I got this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and when you go out and you're sitting at the bus stop, you don't know what, who they are, how they identify, whatever. Yeah. And you turn to them and say, Jesus loves you. Mm-hmm. And you just take that shot and something amazing happens. They break down. Cause you know, life's hard. That's God. And you can't say, yeah, I got this in that moment. That was all God. And so he loves to use us in the uncomfortable to reveal himself to us and to show us the beauty and, and the power of his word over anything I could, I could sit there all day be like, I got the perfect statement to read to the person. No, it's going to change everything. Yeah. It's going to change everything. If I write this blog that tells people off, you know, like it's going to change everything versus if I use his words, I'm not even responsible for what happens. Yeah. That, that always reminds me of that blog. You wrote that one time You said, <laughs> honey, can you look it over? And I, I, I turned that thing back over. I said, can you put something loving in that thing? Yeah. It was just a rant <laughs> oh, at the oh. church. There, there are reasons I don't go on social media like I used to, because I right. would definitely that person. I'd be like, I am going to tell this off completely. Yes. No, yeah. I mean, I, I do believe you, we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves sometimes with this idea of missionaries, but I think ultimately like if you look at the story of Jesus with the Samaritan woman, what's the first step he took? He went to Samaria. Like, because you, evangelism, sharing the gospel requires proximity and proximity requires trust. Like we have to develop these things. And there's an amazing quote from a professor that once said, you have to reach people where they are because you can't reach them where they're not. Right. And so we have to go to them in that way. And I love, I love the verse that you read, um, like about from Paul, um, because I think it's so good. He's like, I'm, I'm all things to all people. And then as he talks about Gentiles, he's like, well, but I am under the law, but I live as someone who's not under the law and all of this different kind of stuff. And he's, he's trying to like get everyone on that. And then ultimately he says, and I do all of this so that I might save some. And right. some people then I think get so frustrated because they're like, I have to get my friend to be a Christian in a year. Like I just need them right. like now. Yeah. And I was listening to an interview one time of someone who does um, um, ministry work leads a church in an indigenous community. I cannot remember which um, indigenous community, but here in the United States. And they were asking them, like, what do you wish other people, other church leaders would learn from the work you're doing? And he goes, is, he was like, that time works differently in different cultures. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes like 
American missionaries would come into this indigenous community and think that they're going to convert people in a year. And then they would be there for like five years and then they would get really tired because like no one, no one's coming to Christ and then they would leave. Whereas they don't realize like part of that culture is it takes a while to develop relationships. And so you just finally get to the place of being for them to even listen to anything you're saying after 10 years. And so like, we have to be understanding that like, that God, God's word, like this takes time. We can't be the determiners of like, ah, it's been a year. There's been nothing in my friendship. I'm going to drop them or I can't be a missionary at all of that. Like, no, we have to, um, we, we just need to be consistent and honoring of the place that God has given us in our lives. And um, whether we are the ones sowing the seed, harvesting, whatever we're doing in our placement in people's lives, like being honoring in that and being responsible in that place that we have mm, for like all that. of it. That's so good. Yeah. It's, it's uh, uh, number two, by the way, in uh, the Samaritan story, get rid of the noise. Mm-hmm. Yes. My disciples, <laughs> y'all got to go. <laughs> y'all, leave. <laughs> y'all leave for right now. I need to, I need to handle business because <laughs> you might not necessarily agree in my approach. <laughs> right. uh-huh. No, that's, that's such a good point because they're, like without naming any names, we're very right now around the world. We're very polarized. If you're connected mm-hmm. to the internet, you're there. The, the enemy is trying to polarize you in yep. so many ways. Yeah. And, um, and so team, this team, that, this color, that color, this mm-hmm. flag, that flag, whatever it is. Um, if you, as a believer in Christ, fill your feed, think about it. The feed of a horse is where they eat. The feed on your social platform is where you're consuming stuff. Um, and on that feed, if you fill that feed with things that you are, have an allegiance to outside of Christ and you go there to feed and then you go out to feed others, what do you have to feed them? Mm -hmm. And so the biases of the world and even the bias of other believers who have yet to be rewired in this way about what, how powerful and simplistic and for everyone, the gospel really is, you'll get psyched out by them. You'll get bitter to a group of people. Um, because of what the people you relate to believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, some people follow people in their feed that they blatantly disagree with just to see what the enemy's up to. And, and still that's, that's making it so that you look at them like animals instead of like mm-hmm. people that you could add to the fold, you know, that God wants to use you um, to add to the fold. So it's a, it's an important thing. Yeah. That, that noise shutting it down. So I, a long time ago, cause y'all, I'm a statistics guy. <laughs> I like to beat people up with Good statistics. for you. I can't. <laughs> no, no, but watch this. I had to give it up. I had to give it up to understand mm-hmm. compassion, to understand care. Um, because I can come at you in like 900 different ways, or I can come at you in love. Yeah. Um, so I had to be, I had to, to silence the disciples, you know, so I had yeah. to push them away. Hey, why don't y'all go get something to eat? Jesus didn't even need nothing. They came back with food. He's like, I, I'm already fed. I, I don't need to eat what you guys are eating. But so I changed my algorithm in my Facebook. So now when I open my Facebook to do what we need to do for social media, right? Cause that's what mm-hmm. we, you know, podcasting, all these other things you, you, you have to, unfortunately have to. y'all have to be on part of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned to, to, uh, I am unfo- not unfollow. Yeah. Unfollow a lot of people, mm-hmm. the ones that I would disagree with, or that I'm like, really, what are you guys doing? Why, why, you know? Mm-hmm. And so now I open my feed and it's like, Jesus, God, prayer. so basically the prayer and, <laughs> you know, and honestly, because it, unless you just are hiding in your closet and closing the door, you hear all of this stuff. If you have a job, you hear this stuff. Mm-hmm. How much do we need to pour into ourselves of the negativity that's in the world instead of the positivity that comes through Jesus Christ? 
Yeah. And so when I pour that in, now I can turn to my brothers or, or my, or, you know, the brothers and sisters of the people around me and the community and all these things and love them in a way that I've never been able to love them before. That's because I've shut down the worldly idea and I brought in the godly idea. And now I can present his words, not necessarily y'all John three sixteen beat you over the hit. No, but through my actions. Yeah. And I think that's what you do a wonderful job of Josh yeah. is, is going out there and showing these Thank people you. this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like one of the biggest things I always say is like, if we're, and this ultimately when we are like reaching and a person like, or we're in a relationship with someone who's LGBT, um, this happens on a one-on-one relationship. Normally it's someone that is in our family or our friend group or something of that nature. Like people are not normally just like going out into gay communities and these kind of things. But like, I think ultimately when we're, when we're going into a situation where we're coming from two different communities that have such a long, deep and difficult history, I think one of the biggest things that we need to do is begin to look, we, we need to start it from understanding where, where I'm coming from and how the person has been hurt from that community. Like, so even though I may, may have, like I, when I have relationship with LGBT people, I come from it, from the understanding of knowing that I can pretty much be sure that they have been hurt by the church at some point in their life and that they, they are part of a community that has been very marginalized and the church has been part of that over decades and a century. Um, and so I think ultimately when we can start from the repentance of the place that we need to come from into the relationship, and this is not even just in the LGBTQ community, whenever we have this like hostile kind of situation, when we can begin to start the thing, not from, oh my gosh, this is what they're doing, or this is what the other side of the conversation is, is saying that's wrong, but coming up from more of like, where is my responsibility? And where is the place that I need to repent or that my own community has harmed them and caring for them in that? Um, like sometimes the greatest missions like work that I get to do is we at posture shift, we have a justice fund, which um, our justice fund is for um, kids that when they come out, they're kicked out of their homes. Um, we help them get a place. If they're, if their college fund is cut off, we help them get funding for school. We help them get a place. We had a kid in the United States who contacted us um, last year um, before, right before a hurricane was about to hit um, his area, he had told his parents simply that he was same sex attracted and um, that he wanted to honor God and they kicked him out. Um, and because they weren't going to have a kid who um, was LGBT, he was living in a tent for two weeks. And we were able to, um, even this kid who just, he wanted, he wanted to love God. He wanted to honor God so much. Um, being able to have the opportunity to say, Hey, look, we did a fundraiser. We got a place for him to stay. We helped work with his college so that he could like have, um, tuition and all this different kind of stuff. Like that's ministry, like being able to yeah. meet people where they're at, the things that they're going through, seeing the pains that they're, that they're facing and being able to say here, here is, here is the gospel. And we're going to reach you in that moment. And, um, like for instance, for me, like that's some of the greatest moments that like, obviously getting to reach people and, and care for people in the midst of such awful situations that right. no one deserves to go through. And so I, I think we, we have a lot of opportunities in our lives to just yeah. care for people where they're at. No, that's, that's, that's a good boiling down point to that mm -hmm. is like meet them where that rubber meets the road. We hear that a mm -hmm. lot. Um, I did have one question in there because yeah. as you're speaking, it's like, it's like, you know, they were hurt, you know, they're, they're hurt by the church. Mm -hmm. And and this is just one of those questions. Like I honestly, I wouldn't even know the answer, but uh, do you think that sometimes maybe it's the condemnation feeling? The Bible, the Bible speaks against, you know, against some things, you know, against, you know, sexualities and, and the way that you should live life and things like that. Um, my position was that I, I believe that 
I wasn't necessarily being condemned by the church as much as I thought I was being condemned by the church because of the guilt and the shame that I had. Or mm-hmm. is it, are you seeing that most of the people you run into have really been hurt? And when I say that, it's not just that they look at the Bible and the church and they say, well, they don't agree with me. Right? But when we look at the history of the LGBTQ community, especially in the United States, um, we find high levels of victimization and marginalization, especially at the hands of churches and Christians. Um, going back to, I mean, even just, um, I mean, we can go back to World War II and the concentration camps and how uh, LGBT people were were rounded up in order to be put in the concentration camps. Um, then we can go to the AIDS, the AIDS epidemic and how many times um, churches played a high place in not caring for, um, for people with HIV and AIDS, um, wanting to keep access from being given to um, people in that realm. A lot of times the areas around the country where we see where there's a high population of LGBT people, how a lot of those communities started was because kids would get kicked out of their homes they would become homeless. They would go to a big city. They would all congregate together. They would create these just like tent cities of LGBT homeless kids. And a lot of that surfaced in that, in that way. We have many times, like we get in our ministry, a lot of different stories from, from kids growing up in church that have been um, mistreated, um, even physically at times. And when you have kids, when you have kids like this that are experiencing those kinds of things, after a while they go, well, then of course I'm going to like go do what I want because like the church doesn't care. I mean, even I, I've been kicked out of church before, um, before when I was a kid. And so I think that there are, there definitely are legitimate ways. I think even just one of the numbers being a statistic, statistic, why can't I say it? Statistics person, um, (laughs) being a statistics person, um, there it's generally believed about 3% of the population, three to 5% of the population is LGBT. That's a general idea. They are finding that in the United States, 40% of the teen homeless population is LGBT. Mm. Um, And they're finding a lot of that comes from Christian realms and families. Um, And so there is, um, there's a really good book called Us Versus Us by Andrew Marin, where he goes over the statistics of the faith reality of LGBT people and how so many of them end up growing up in church and then many of them fall away Mm. and the experiences that they have. I think that there definitely is a reality of marginalization and victimization. But I, I will say there are many times now where um, these high levels of marginalization, victimization, there's a higher level of bullying reality in LGBT people's lives. There's a high level of, um, of victimization in many different ways. Um, that triggers in LGBT people the flight or fight syndrome in many ways of just like, I am continually being confronted by this stuff. So I am continually going to have to figure out, am I going to fight in this situation or go away? And so then as adults, when they come in contact with a Christian who might say, like, I hold a traditional view of marriage, there becomes the projection of all of the awful things that have happened in their life in the past from Christians who have said that exact same thing. And so that becomes the view, the automatic view that we then have to prove that we are not like that. Um, Because when you've had so many experiences of that before, it becomes hard not to expect that another person who says that they believe the exact same thing are not going to act the same way. Right. I think we can see that across the societal issue as well. Yeah. Yeah. People these days just cannot have a different view without for some reason banging heads on it. I mean, it's kind of hard to find those conversations these days where it's like, Hey, I'm Republican. Well, I'm Democrat. Okay, cool, man. Nice. And it's like, (laughs) you're Republican. I hate you. You're the Democrat. I hate you. But no, I get, I get what you're saying. And that was an authentic question I have because you know, like, like it's not something I'm just, it's not like that setup. No, it's, it was, uh, 
authentic because I think that we have to really, our pastor has said it um, to the men's group and also to the church, I think yeah, yeah. that, you know, are you ready to mm-hmm. love someone from the LGBT community when they walk yeah. through that door? Now, I don't know if we've ever been try, try, you know, if that's never, you know, no one's openly walked through our doors yet, you know? Yeah. Um, but I know my heart is, is a heart to love people, to have care for people and compassion. So I know where my answer lies. Mm-hmm. Um, would I understand completely all of the thoughts and feelings in some ways I would just because of my childhood, the molestation and some of the, mm-hmm. the things I fought in, in mm-hmm. identity. Right. Yeah. And so you kind of have that heart saying, Hey, you know what, what went wrong? You know, where, where is this at? What's going on? How can we love them better? How can we get them to Christ? Because in the reality of things, he's going to be the restorer. Mm-hmm. You know, once we receive him, he's the restorer. He's, he brings a newness to life. And I think that this is awesome what you're doing, brother. I think that you're, you know, watch this guys. He's a missionary. He's not just, mis- he's not just sharing the gospel to the LGBTQ, right? <laughs> you sell it to every, anyone and everyone. Cause I don't <laughs> want to polarize. Point. That's you know, the point. The, the whole idea of this conversation is just yeah. to like bring out another level, another area where this is at. And I know Josh, I mean, come on, he's in Columbia. He was, he's, he's been to all these different places, sharing the gospel to different people. And he is definitely one of those people who know that he loves Jesus. And, and you know what, enough to sit there and say, you know what, I'm putting away the world and I'm just going mm-hmm. to serve you. And I, I love that. Yeah. I love the obedience in that. I love the love that's in that and, and how you do that. Yeah. And, and like, I would just really encourage everyone listening. Like if you're coming into that place of going, how can I love whoever in your life is LGBT? I think just the first initial most amazing thing you can do is just listen, ask honoring questions, ask honoring questions about their experience, about their life, about their partner, like whoever, they, whoever, whatever it is, ask, get to know them, try and not assume what you know about their experience, what you know about their, um, their background of faith um, and or their background of why they um, don't go to church or why they believe this or why they believe that. Like ask them. And I, I, the biggest thing I always say is start with honoring questions. Mm. Um, try to get to know them. Don't make assumptions. Um, Leslie Hudson Reynolds, our trans ministry director, um, they always say, when you've met one trans person, you've met one trans person. So like <laughs> there, it, there are never you're never going to have this thing where you can just automatically assume things about their lives. And so if we can start from that place of learning, of listening, um, I think we can be able to see just a much more gaining of trust and a relationship build. Therefore, like I've even had it where like, so in my, in my relationships, like my friendships in South Florida, most of my friends are non-Christian. Most of them don't understand my faith and most are LGBT. And so I one time had a friend go through a breakup and, um, he called me afterwards after it all ended and I was there for him. And I just had a question. I was like, so I just have a question. Like, why did you call me? And like, you know, like our views are different and that's perfectly fine. And I'm, I'm like, I love you. I'm so glad to be here and support you in this, but I'm just surprised like that you would call me. And he just said, he's like, you've always been really like, you've always been really honoring and respecting and caring and just like been there for me. And I knew you would answer like, and I knew that you would be there. And so even in the midst, again, love across a belief gap. Like we can, we can be able to have that. And that gives us opportunities to minister in situations that we would never think would even be possible. Right. It? Love it. Such love a it. good point. Man, thank you for yeah. just being with us today. I, I mean, it's so, it's so, it's so, it's so edifying. Like, so like full. Yeah. I'm so um, ready to go out there when it stops raining. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and, and to, to wrap, right. The apostle Paul crossed gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes he had to dust his feet. Sometimes he had to yeah. walk away sometimes, you know, but the idea behind it, and you, you said it too, you reemphasize the verse. It's like, now this I do for the gospel's sake mm-hmm. that I may be a partaker of it with you. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Yeah. Come on. That, that, that is, that is just it. And brother, yeah. we are so thankful that you came on the show. Thank, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. I love what y'all are doing here. And I'm just glad I got to hang out with y'all. I know. Oh, it's always Anytime. awesome. It's always awesome. Yeah. I think, like, I think we're so busy everywhere. So it's like, I think you're, you're closer now. Now you're like eight hours away. So if you I know. come down this way <laughs> instead of 13 or 14, so now you can definitely oh, we go that way. We, we can, yeah, yeah, we can definitely, we have yet to take Kalia up, up North, North. And so, <laughs> so yeah, Sounds but this bad. has been, this has been awesome. Um, yeah. quickly tell people how they can connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can go to postureshift.com. That's the ministry that I um, work with and learn all about that there. Also, if you go to lifeonsidebe.com, that's my podcast. Um, also, you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts and do it there. I'm not on social media, so not on there, I mean, but- Good for you. <laughs> I, I just took the leap. But yeah, you can find out about all of my work on those two websites and check out the podcast and the ministry. And thank awesome. you. Awesome. And this week's final question for our audience is what is one challenge you face when it comes to the Great Commission and living it out? And you can go to thepantrypodcast.com. We have a new fun feature where you can leave us an audio clip or you can type it in and that way we can put it in a future episode or on social media. So until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. Awesome. <laughs> that was so that was good. good. Let me yeah. um, hit the buttons.